This episode of the Kima Podcast is sponsored by I Am Responding. Be sure and visit them at the 2019 Kima Conference in Altoona or online at IamResponding.com. Live from the Kima Podcast Studio in Pennsylvania, it's the Kima Podcast, the emergency management podcast for Kima members, by Kima members. I'm your host, Paul Falavolito, co-hosting today's episode, it's Amy Amir. Hey, Paul, what's going on? Hey, Amy, how are you this beautiful Saturday in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania? I am doing good. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing spectacular. A little exhausted and tired from EMS week, which just is about to finish today. How was your yeah, EMS it, week? It was fabulous. We uh, we did a lot of cool things this week um, here in Chester County. So, yeah, we, we did car seat checks and hands-only CPR demonstrations. Um, we had a couple of open houses and then of course our ems banquet uh final finalized the week for us so what's going on what'd you guys do oh you know picnic after picnic after picnic lots <laughs> of cake I, I had four pieces of cake i can confess <laughs> and tell you i had officially four pieces of ems week cake i did do two ems week podcasts on my other podcast show, it's called EMS Talk, and you actually co-hosted one of those episodes, which um, got a lot of great listens and a lot of great feedback. We talked about EMS yeah. Week extensively. Yeah, it's a it's a great uh, it's a good show, different show from what what this is. Yeah, totally, it's different and you know different audience, but it was uh, I think it was good. It was a good message I think that we did deliver for EMS Week and. Uh, Sadly, the Pittsburgh Pirates lost last night. It was EMS night at PNC Park. I didn't go to it, but I do know a big chunk of first responders from this area did go to it. But unfortunately, they did not see a victory, which is sad. So sorry to hear that. Yeah, I'm sure you are. <laughs> so, hey, I'm a Pirates fan. Okay, so so let's just jump right to it. What do you what do you got for us from the uh, Kima News Desk? Well, first of all, I have to apologize because email went out late this um, for last week's show. I think it went out like Thursday. So that's my my apologies. But going forward, um, we will get them out on a more timely manner. But the Kima website um, has the link to the podcasts on there. And so that makes it even easier for you to listen to it. It's on the home page of the Kima website. And Really, you can always subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play and all of those other um, channels that we are on. And you know what I just wonder? I wonder how people find us. Do they just wait till the email comes out? Or do they subs- Are they subscribed to us like on, on Apple Play or iTunes or whatever it's called? Oh, Apple Play. I guess that's a Apple Podcasts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so or do they wait and see the link from social on social media? I just wonder how people listen to us. I, think, I mean, we are averaging, you know, pretty decent amount per, per show. I think people are finding it has to be directly from the email blast and the social media posts. Yeah. Even though we do 
tag whenever I upload these. I do tag them with uh, Kima, FEMA, Pima, emergency management, and other keywords. But I don't think probably there's. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you who the people are that probably find it via the tags or the the people that are in those emergency management schools that go online and and Google and search specific hashtags and. This probably pops up for them, but I don't think, you know, Joe, emergency manager from such and such municipality is getting online and Googling, oh, what's new in emergency management today? I think they're finding it directly. Okay. Yep. And um, the other big little bit of Kima news is we do officially now have our own standalone Kima podcast logo, thanks to the creative design of Bob Gerlach who created a uh, very cool little logo. And again, if you go to the Kima website, it's kima-pa.org, you can see it. It is right there on the main page. And if you click that logo, it will take you to all of the Kima podcast shows. So it's even easier now to listen to than it ever has been before. And uh, you can look for this logo. It's going to be probably all over the conference Coming up in October, I know we're going to have our have it on the backs of our shirts, and we may even have uh, some extra Kima podcast shirts for sale at the conference to help support the podcast. So, what do you think about wow. that? I'm I'm excited that I'm going to have my own shirt. Yeah, I think it's I think it's neat. It, again, it's you know you're creating a you know creating a brand for you know for our company or uh, for not for our company, but you know what I mean for Kima. So it's just a uh, it's just a good good thing. I'm very excited about. But I just think that the, you know like this will be kind of cool though when we get to the Kima conference because this is an idea that you approached me with like in October of last year. Right. So and then it took us this. It took me this long to agree that it was a good idea, I guess. Well, it, you know, I think you knew it was a good idea, but it just, you know, we didn't want to just plug in a microphone and just start talking. We actually wanted to create a format. And, and again, this, is, I, this isn't what everyone else sees. They don't understand, you know, yes, they listen to a 30-minute podcast, but every 30-minute podcast probably takes four to five hours a week worth of work to put in the writing of the, sure. the, 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 the show notes and the formatting and everything that we have to do to get ready for it and us bouncing it back and forth and agreeing on topics and agreeing on talking points. It's a lot of work, you know? So that's why it took sometimes, so long. Sometimes we should probably record some of those discussions. Yeah. That, they are sometimes a little lively. Oh, I know. I, th- I think it would be fun. Like, again, I wish we could do like a, you know, behind the scenes video of, of the Kima podcast and put it up for everyone to see and on YouTube and, you know, maybe listen, maybe at next year's conference, you know, during the, uh, annual dinner, maybe that might be a fun little video to play, uh, when you have everyone, you know, everyone's attention. You know, I I think, I think it would be fun. Any, any other Kima stuff? Um, no, I don't, I don't think so. We're, we're really working on vendors getting vendors for the conference. So if there's anybody that you've, you have um, seen or, you know, you'd like to see come to the conference, shoot me an email. I have a huge list. I have emails out there, um, you, you know, so let me know if there's anybody else that you'd like to have at the conference or you'd like to see if I can get at the conference. Very cool. 
And it's now time for This Week in Emergency Management News. A homemade explosive device was thrown out of a vehicle window in the city of Bethlehem, Lehigh County. Bomb technicians responded. No injuries or evacuations were reported. Philadelphia Media reports the device exploded and all emergency crews cleared the scene without incident. Two quarts of the disinfectant Rapicide were spilled near the main entrance of Lehigh Valley Hospital, Cedar Crest, and Salisbury Township, Lehigh County. The county hazmat team responded. The lobby was the only area evacuated and all other nearby areas sheltered in place. A chlorine leak from a 150-pound cylinder at the Upper Saucon Water Treatment Facility was reported in Upper Saucon Township, Lehigh County. The county hazmat team responded with assistance from a fire unit from Northampton County. A shelter-in-place was issued for a two-block radius surrounding the incident. In the immediate vicinity, three homes with six to ten residents were evacuated. The shelter-in-place was lifted after 90 minutes. The cleanup contractor, Univar, took control of the scene. Construction crews working on the new Altoona High School hit a power line causing a power outage at the Altoona Area High School in Altoona City, Blair County. All high school students were evacuated to the Roosevelt Athletic Field. Students were dismissed for the day at 1000 hours as power had not been restored. The school district had contingency plans in place for classes to be held to ensure no more school days would be lost. The power was restored later in the day. Severe weather systems moved across the Commonwealth this week. Tornado and flash flood warnings were issued for multiple counties throughout the Commonwealth. All warnings have since expired. Sightings of funnel clouds were reported in York and Lancaster counties. The Lancaster County EOC partially activated and stood down overnight. Statewide power outages peaked at over 32,000. The National Weather Service surveyed the damage and indicated an EF1 tornado touched down Sunday in West Cocalico Township, Lancaster County. Several homes were damaged with the wind blowing roofs off some houses and causing structural damages to others. An elderly couple was injured when their glass door blew in and a man was injured Monday during cleanup when some branches fell. All counties have transitioned to cleanup and recovery operations. And that's this week in emergency management news. So I just need to know something. (laughs) Yes. I stumbled a couple times. Sorry. Yeah, that's not what I was going to pick out. Oh, go ahead. Um, So all those townships. Oh, I know. I mean, like, how do you know how to pronounce all of them? I I don't. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many hard, hard words. There's so many hard, hard municipalities and counties to pronounce in Pennsylvania. And every time I'm, I'm... mashing all this together i look at some of these things and i don't i don't like that sock on i I don't even know if that's the right way to say it it just i think that's how you say it yeah (laughs) i i don't i don't know but i have to tell you that this is probably the first time that during all of these shows that we've done that i've actually seen you you're just like i i don't know how to do this (laughs) i mean like you're at a loss for words almost yeah i know some of some of them are tough man pennsylvania has some tough tough words to pronounce but you know maybe that's the good starting point for how to you know who we're going to start to have on the show is find the places we don't know how to pronounce find out who their emergency manager is and get him on so he can introduce himself 
And then when he says it, we could be like, yes, we've got someone else to say it. I think I just think that's the only way to, to do it. But anyways, so let's move okay, into sorry. this week's uh, main discussion point of the show. And I want to talk about leadership in emergency management. Specifically, where does where does it come from? Where do you think it comes from? Is there enough training for it? What styles of leadership do emergency managers use? And so, Amy, I have a question for you. I want okay. you to kind of sit back for a second and think back to all the incident commanders you've worked for on different scenes, people in the EOCs, or even jobs throughout your career. And think of all the managers, bosses, and leaders, everyone's you've encountered. Who have you worked for the best? What type of leadership style did they have, and, and why did you like it? Well, the, the first one that comes to my mind is, is our former director, um, Ed Atkins. For those of you that don't, you know, Ed Atkins was the longtime director of the Chester County Emergency Services, where I was his, um, his executive assistant for 15 years. And he's taught me, he taught me so much about, about leadership and respect and presentation and consistency. Um, so he's the, absolutely the first person that comes to mind. I mean, he was my, my supervisor, my director for half of, well, almost my entire career in public safety. That's pretty cool. I mean, cool. so his, his style of leadership. Yeah. So, yeah. so it worked well for you. It worked. You well felt for me. like you could perform your best under that style of of leadership. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know if you know this or not. One of the other podcast shows I do, it's crazy popular. It's called the Seven Minute Leadership Podcast, and one of the more popular episodes that I've done was one talking about where does power come from in the workplace, and so I think how this ties into emergency management is obviously, again, as emergency managers, we all have to have some levels of leadership whenever we're walking into these, you know, scenes. It doesn't matter if it's a uh, smaller incident or uh, a larger scale incident. Everybody that's going to be on your NIMS org chart must have some levels of leadership. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yep. So I think where we have to first start is we have to talk about is where does power come from and so there's six power bases right there's people that have legitimate power there's something called reward power expert power referent power coercive power and informational power and each one of those uh, has a lot of positives and each one of them have uh, a lot of negatives and the true art of leadership is finding the balance how do you balance all of those? Because right out of the gate, emergency management, I think of first, those people have something that's called legitimate power. And it's because they were either elected to that position or they were appointed to that position. And because of the government structure, social hierarchies, cultural norms, electoral mandates, that person is automatically on day one given something called power right but this base of power is incredibly unpredictable and unstable because if you lose the title 
or if you lose the position, your legitimate power instantly disappears because people were influenced by the position you held rather than you. Does that make sense? Yeah. So this is why this one's kind of, you know, not, you, you can't as a leader rely on legitimate power to be your entire whole game. You, you just, you can't do it. It's, it's just, it's just not a good one. Yes, you have it because you have the title, but you got to have more of the other stuff, right? And so we all know what reward power is. Reward power um, is, you know, you have the ability to give out rewards, raises, promotions, um, you know, different things like that based on your position. And so, again, this, again, isn't necessarily uh, a great one to focus solely on in your leadership toolbox um, because it may not be as strong as it first seems, right? Because, you know, when you use up all the rewards or when the rewards don't have enough perceived value, your power weakens, okay? And again, in emergency management, I don't know how much reward power there is. Like, what is it? Like, I'll buy you a hamburger if you be logistics for this scene? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, so, so again, so reward power... Uh, might not be a, a, a great one to focus solely on. Um, coercive power. And this is the one where you use coercive power when you imply or threaten, you know, that someone could be fired, demoted, or denied privileges. And again, you know, I've seen coercive power used at many scenes by different members of public safety over you know, the years where people threaten someone's membership or access to uh, the scene or certain things. And, and again, that's just, uh, you know, that, that's, that's just bullying 101 to me is coercive power. Like, I never use coercive power as an EMS chief. I just don't. I just, I just don't use it. I, those, I find a better way to let people know that they can do better. I just, I don't use coercive power. Yeah. I completely agree with you that like that's like bullying, like total bullying. Yeah, it is. But but it exists. I, it's, it's a base of power that exists. I, and Not I only in the business that. world, but in the public safety world. I, I yep. understand that, but I also don't think that that has any place. That kind of leadership doesn't have a place in in an emergency Correct. situation. Correct. The other scary one is something called informational power. Right. And this is, you know, people that have control over information that others need or want puts you in a powerful position. Having access to um, certain bits of info, um, you know, is, is, a, is a powerful, powerful thing. And if you don't know how to manage that properly, you can abuse it. You know, it's it's very it's very potent, believe it or not. And And here's the thing, though, the power with this one comes from not the information itself but having access to it and from being in a position to share it withhold it manipulate it distort it conceal it whatever you know it's 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 a, it's a very powerful power base out there in the leadership and another place that another leadership style that has no place in emergency management, emergency services, public Correct. Safety. And again, the point is, is I've seen those people and interacted with those people a dozen times on scenes where they just, you know, you, you, they get one bit of info. And again, I understand the need for confidentiality 
with certain bits of emergency management info. That's very important. You know, you don't want media leaks or stuff like that, but that's not what we're talking about. Huge difference, though, between yep. confidentiality and, and siloing information. Correct. The good ones, to me, the good leadership uh, power bases, and that's going to be expert power and, and referent power. And so expert power comes from, you know, your everyday all-American emergency manager that's, you know, like Roy Shipley. Roy Shipley has expert, he has an expert power base. Absolutely. You know, he's been doing this, you know, for I think a little over three decades. He's been on every type of scene there is. He's seen it, done it. He has the T-shirt for it all. Um, and so that generates an understanding of a situation, um, being able to use solid judgment. Uh, I guarantee you he outperforms everyone uh, when he's on scene because he's a subject matter expert in a vast variety of things. And with that, he you know, naturally inherits and builds his own expert power. And that's a great thing for other people to look to. Just like the other one is something called uh, referent power. And if you think of referent power, you think of, you know, like when you look around your office, there's just always that, that, that guy or gal that works in your office that just everyone just likes. They just gravitate towards them. They just, you know, they just respect the living daylights out of them. And, you know, that's just that general likability that people have. Right. And so when you, when you mesh that general likability and that expert power together, to me, those are two of the good ones, that, two of the good leadership traits that people need to have, two of the good power bases that, uh, that, that people need to have uh, for, you know, not only your, your normal everyday job, but, but specifically emergency management. But like I said, those are the six power bases. Um, I did a whole podcast on this before, but I'm not going to, you know, redo it. But uh, I do think it's a good point. And again, you know, to, to mention that, you know, in order to pull off the, the e- emergency management leadership, you have to know how to balance all those. And you have to know that all of those things exist. And maybe there's people sitting there listening to this saying, oh, crap, I, I only fall into one of those categories. I don't fall into three of them or four of them. Right. Yeah. So how do emergency managers get that leadership training? You think? I think some of it is learned. Some of it's just like you just know. And it it comes from how you've been treated as you've been walking up the, as you've been working your way through, um, you know, through your career. You know what you like and you think to yourself, oh, that's great. I'll have to, if I ever have somebody working for me, that's how I want to treat them. Or that's not how I would treat somebody else. Yeah, no, I get it. And again, you know, going to conferences um, such as the Kima conference, doing those NIMS classes online, all of those things are filling up each one of those buckets, you know, because you're learning yep. and, and you constantly have to learn. But the bottom line for this main discussion point is if you're in emergency management, your leadership game needs to be strong and don't ignore leadership training. True. True. Secondary discussion point for this podcast we've got to talk about all the severe weather alerts across the commonwealth because they are coming like crazy we mentioned i think last week that april uh 2019 saw more tornadoes than in uh, any other april 
uh, as recorded by the National Weather Service uh, in Pennsylvania. Probably State College, right, is the one that puts that all together, I would think. Or maybe it's Jeff Jumper at Pima that puts those stats together. But we have a big responsibility as emergency management to prep the public for changing weather. And we've got to find a way to get the message out and for I mean, I think we know how to get the message out. We need to have people take it more seriously because weather is changing. We know that. It's more severe than it's ever been. And the public has a role to play in preparedness. So I don't know about your... So we we had a a tornado warning come through Chester County on Thursday night. It was a short, short time frame for just a half an hour. And my phones went off with the the alerts or whatever. I was on Facebook and I saw more complaints about being notified in the middle, you know, at 11 o'clock at night that there was a tornado coming through or tornado warning. than I saw, Hey, thanks for sending that out. Yeah. At nighttime, you're sleeping. And, and, and I think this is going to tie into one of the discussion points here, right? Because we, we say the public has a role to play in preparedness. And again, we, we do the preparedness thing through the campaigns at Community Days. We do the campaigns on social media. But, you know, I, I start to think about community preparedness meetings because this ties into FEMA's new strategic plan of getting the community more involved. And doing that by something that in the new FEMA strategic plan, they mentioned community culture brokers or people of influence in the community to help share the world. And these would be people like church leaders, teachers, business leaders in the community, people that have influence. And so here's what I wonder, Amy, and and this is a good question for you. Those people that complained about those alerts, do you think they would still have complained if that message came, like let's just say someone in the community is a part of a church group and and they do their own church alert system for different things specific to the church? Do you think that if that warning came through like a church notification group, they would still complain? I don't know. That's a good question. I would have to be split on that one, like 50-50. Yeah, no, I get it because that's – that's, again, you know, what, what FEMA's new strategic plan is. And we've got to do a, an entire podcast on the new FEMA strategic plan because I know it came out in 2018, and I just discovered it maybe two months ago and uh, actually read it. I think it's fantastic. I know we've had a loose discussion about it, but I definitely think it's worthy of an entire episode because uh, we do need to have that dis- we do need to have that discussion and really dissect it. And I would love to get someone from FEMA on the show that was part of creating that new strategic plan to talk about some of those talking points. Because again, I'm 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 wondering, you know, is is it a public view on a government alert versus a community church alert or a community school alert? Like, are they still going to be mad? Are they going to take it more serious if it comes from community versus the government again because i hate to be the one to say this but there's a big population of the people that just doesn't trust government they've lost faith in government from a lot of the perceived media that's out there about some of the botched responses to um some larger scale incidents 
I, I I agree on doing all of that. Like we'll we'll try to see if we can get the intern to set up an interview with us there's, and, and there's the intern again. Yeah, yeah, she's slacking, man. Yep. So to kind of feed into this secondary discussion point about severe weather uh, and what we can all do, uh, we do have some announcement some announcements of some upcoming weather classes for emergency management to take or brush up on. And uh, the first one, Amy, is out in your area. It's AWR 326 Tornado Awareness at the Chester County Public Safety Training Campus. That's May 29th. Yeah. Yeah. It's, what is that? Third Wednesday. Yeah. That's, wow, that's a busy week that's next coming week up. out there. I saw on the yeah. thing on the uh, schedule it said registration closes on 528. So you still have time if you are within that area or vicinity of the state to get registered for AWR 326 Tornado Awareness at the Chester County Public Safety Training Campus or Tactical Village, as it's known as. <laughs> I've got to get out there and see this place because it, it looks spectacular online. Uh, the yeah. next one I saw is G271. That's Hazardous Weather and Flooding Preparedness, and that is at the uh, Allegheny County Emergency Services, new headquarters at 150 Hookstown Grade Road in Coriopolis, which is the old side of the Greater Pittsburgh International Airport, and that's July 30th. And I am signed up to take that class um, specifically because Jeff Jumper, the Pima State Meteorologist, is teaching it, and Fred McMullen from the National Weather Service in Pittsburgh is going to be there. And I know both of those guys. I've had extensive discussions with both of those guys they are great, great people. They are a wealth of knowledge, and I cannot wait to learn from them. And I'm kind of hoping they'll do a little interview with me for the podcast while I'm there. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. i got to use this opportunity to get some sound bites because they're they're just the resource. That would be amazing. Yeah, I know. And I'd love it, like, while you're talking to Jeff, like, either one of them, see if they'd like to do a podcast yeah, with us. Absolutely. I'm going to put that out there. And then the last one I found, it's AWR 347 Climate Adaption Planning for Emergency Managers, and that's going to be at the Montgomery County EOC on August 20th. And again, you can register for all of these classes on PA Train. And with that... That's <gasps> no. Yes. Say it isn't so. It's so. So, Amy, I have a closing question for you. Okay. As this episode of the Kima podcast, it's episode 10 already. It's our first milestone. We're in the double digits. We are double digits. (laughs) And my question for you is, if you could create your own IS, ICS, or G-series class, what would it be? Oh... Oh, that's a tough one. I actually think I would create a class, my public information side showing here, um, like writing, writing press releases, writing social media content, and and just writing on stuff like that. And I think it would be a G-series class that we're going to need to be in person to do that. Yeah. It's a good what idea. Um, I would probably, I'd want to create an emergency management leadership series. What would you include in it? 
everything we talked about today and everything I podcast about, about leadership on my other show, because I think there's a lot that gets missed. I truly, truly believe that we rely heavily too much in emergency management on that legitimate power base. And there's so much more that needs to happen. And I think that it would benefit everybody in emergency management. I think it would help just in a vast, in a vast variety of ways. So that's what I would do. I would do an emergency management leadership series. And let's okay. go nuts. I'd make it 12 weeks long. <laughs> wow. So would it be like a full 12 weeks? I mean, like three months of it? Or would you like break it no, up it would into be bro- a week? It would be broken up. <laughs> Anyways, we're going to end this one right now. Amy, thank you for joining me for episode 10. Always a pleasure. Have a great remainder of your weekend. Thank you. You too. And that's going to be it for episode 10 of the Kima podcast. Everybody have a wonderful weekend.